a black executive perspective. Look, man, they didn't get a chance to play chess. They had to play checkered. Let's talk about it, T. Openly and honestly. There was a lot of smart kids there. A black executive perspective. Now, my story's not unique. There's thousands of professionals of color who have experiences like mine. A black executive perspective. Whether you're aware of it or not, it's a topic that is often avoided. We'll discuss race and how it plays a factor and how we didn't even talk about this topic because we were afraid. A black executive perspective. Representation and diversity in the workplace are more relevant than ever. A 2020 study from McKinsey states that companies that have continued to implement diversity and inclusion initiatives have a better likelihood of consistent financial outperformance, no matter the economic climate. Any company that wants to succeed in a modern and progressive business landscape stands to gain from a team that represents a range of races, religions, ages, ethnicities, genders, and the like. If this is the case, why aren't more companies following this strategy? Today, we will discuss this important topic and share potential solutions companies can utilize to diversify. Welcome to a Black Executive Perspective podcast, a safe space where we discuss all matters related to race, especially race in corporate America. I'm your host, your guide, your sensei, your maitre d', Tony Tidbit. So in today's episode, see it to believe it. Why representation matters. We'll focus on representation, which opens the imagination for possibilities and dreams. Many of us, including myself, didn't realize our dreams were possible until we saw someone who looked like us achieving it. Thankfully, we've seen more positive and authentic representation in media and arts. But what about the C-suite? I work in corporate America. It's important to see people that look like you at the C-suite level. Many leadership teams fail to diversify and expand their teams. Today, we're going to discuss why diverse thought is needed and why representation matters for rising black execs and their white counterparts. We have a guest today that's going to help us really open this up. She has over 20 plus years of professional production experience. She has produced over 300 hours of unscripted television, including MTV Room Raiders, TLC, A Makeover Story, and the award-winning television format, Wife Swap. Most recently, Bree was at Hello Sunshine, which is Reese Witherspoon Media Company, as her senior vice president of physical production for Unscripted, where she was tapped four years ago to build out physical production services. She also served as an executive on Hulu's Fair Play, Roku's Meet Me in Paris, and Apple's My Kind of Country, as well as a healthy slate of brand-funded projects. Bree's passion is to tell exceptional stories and move the television forward while championing diversity, equity, inclusion, and access. Bree Frank, welcome. 
to a Black Executive Perspective podcast. Thank you so much, Tony, for having me. I'm so excited to jump in and have this conversation. Well, thank you. I mean, you're very, look, you've got a great background. This is an important topic to talk about. And I'm glad you're here to really help our audience understand why representation matters. And then more importantly, no matter what color or race or ethnicity they're on, why is going to help them in the organization achieve as well. But before we got dive into that, let's hear a little background from you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm a native New Yorker uh, who now lives in California, probably born in Harlem, raised in Queens. I went to Long Island University in Brooklyn and kind of uh, fumbled my way into the corporate side of film and television, (laughs) um, having no one as a mentor or anyone to kind of guide me Mm -hmm. into what it is that I wanted to do. I kind of like just tried at it based on like discernment and an idea of what it would take to get there. And so I'm really proud of my career, mistakes and failures equally. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I spent like a meaningful part of my life just trying to make sure that like the work that I do matters Mm -hmm. and that most importantly, when people come across me, that they feel the compassion and passion that I have for this work, which, um, you know, like the narrative of working in film and television is like, you know, it's very cold hearted and, you know, it's like a small team. And I just really pride myself on being someone that folks can rely on to grow. And I just give away everything that I know, because I think that that's like the most important thing. Like I'm not precious about what I've learned. That is all. So number one, you know, in New York, LA, Harlem stumbled across corporate America, which (laughs) that's interesting. However, not being afraid to share, which is, which is awesome. Cause that how, that is how we help other people be able to move forward. So where did you get that from that? Because a lot of people, they're not that way. They, whatever they learn, they keep close to the vest. Um, it's all about them. So what made you feel that you or so to be so open to share whatever you learn? I want to say that I've always been this way, but I really think it was ingrained from my mother who was the kind of woman that would literally give you a shirt off her back, the corner of the couch, gave it away. And I do believe that I've always been taught um, to be of service. And I do believe that like part of your own like internal human satisfaction is to kind of like figure out what you love and give it away. Mm. And I kind of feel like once you like come from that space, abundance provides you all the things that most selfish people will hoard naturally because of the way of like the economics of like reciprocity work. <laughs> so I've, it's just been, I think it's been ingrained in me from like all the women in my family who've always been like such givers, but I do want to say I'm very protective of like my boundaries and my space and like Mm -hmm. what's in my cup. But I think that, um, and at the same time, I still like, if I have the knowledge, I'm not selfish to give it away because if it's meant for you to go further than me, then so be it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like my journey is not about, you know, acquiring the coins of success only is really that like being a human, a good human on this planet and not repeating toxic behaviors that have often suppressed other people, right? Like right. antithetical to, to me, like to growth and inclusivity and equity to be selfish with your gifts. Oh, so I definitely 
want to dive into that part as we get into this discussion. So thank you for sharing that. Um, real quick, what's been something that's been the hardest challenge that you had to overcome in your life thus far? I mean, I've had lots of uh, challenges for certain, like certainly, I think it's almost impossible to be a black woman in this world and not have mm-hmm. lots of challenges. I think professionally, I'll speak to professionally. I think that professionally, some of the challenges that I've had would be like buy-in, right? So like, I was kind of like filled with lots of ambition from my mother. Like Mm -hmm. if I told my mom I wanted to be a clown, she would say, well, baby, you know, you can rule the circus. Like it was always, (laughs) there's nothing that you can't do, right? And I've been filled from teachers to friends. Like I've I've always had a, a lot of people like pour into me in such a meaningful way. And I think I found that when I got into like corporate spaces, trying to get buy-in beyond someone like liking you is really a really interesting dynamic to try to overcome and how to figure out how to get people to invest in you outside of just using your labor, right? So I think that some of the challenges that I've overcome as a Black woman executive is getting someone to say, I believe in you in such a specific way that I will give you my time And I believe the currency of my own network is beneficial to you. And therefore, I will give it to you. I've only had it a few times in my professional career. And every time it has allowed me to soar. Right. Right. I think that in other instances, like I've worked and it's been like this exchange of like labor for pay, (laughs) labor for pay. Right. And then having someone kind of like investing you outside of like this, the exchange has not been something that I have been afforded necessarily. And I, I said earlier this year, I had the, the pleasure of receiving, receiving the inaugural award for action from Real Screen for diversity, equity, inclusion, and access. And one of the things that I said is that I've spent the majority of my career as a professional pirate, right? Like often like stealing bits of information to excel myself because there was no one in particular over a long standing amount of time investing in me on a daily, monthly, yearly basis to ensure that I had a skill set outside of like hard skills or soft skills or growth or having my name set in a room that I was not in, inciting me as the author of like a genius idea if I came up with one. So to me, that's like one of the the biggest hardships that I probably face is like, you have people that like you, but they don't understand that the way that they invest in other people sometimes looks different from how they invest in people of color and them being very intentional to understand that the way that I am viewed might be shaped differently and therefore they must stand in the gap of my potential to ensure that I am as successful as they are. So thank you for that. And I can definitely relate. Before we started, before we came on today on this podcast, I had to take off my pirate eye patch um, because, you know, at the same time, I had to learn a lot of stuff, you know, on my own and rip certain things off. And what's interesting, you just remind me of a story. I worked at this company as a vice president in advertising sales. And um, I remember we used to have a VP meeting every week, every Thursday. And I was very close, not just to the other people at my level, but I was close to to some of the people on the C-suite level as well. Very, one one individual was our, 
our uh, chief strategy officer, and we were really good friends. So one day I asked, and, and, and here's the thing, we, we, we did a lot of stuff together and, you know, I would share stuff with him un, un, unprovoked, unasked, right? Just if I saw certain things, I would, you know, give him feedback. So then one day I asked him for some feedback. I said, hey man, you know, you know, tell me about me. Tell me a little bit, you know, when we're in these meetings, I feel like people, you know, I say stuff and people don't really listen to me. And he said, you know, Tony, I think sometimes you answer a little too quick. Okay. So when, you know, when the CEO says something, you're the first one to come up with an answer, right? And you should just wait and let every, you know, let everybody else say stuff first, because then it comes across that you're more thought provoking, you're more strategic. And I said, you know what, man, that's some great feedback. It would have been great had you told me that along the way. <laughs> I'm about to leave and you telling me that. <laughs> you see my point? So I, I definitely relate to what you're saying, right? Because if somebody's invested in you from day one without the labor, those are the things that they tell you unprovoked, unasked, because they want to see you strive and, and they believe in you that you can be wherever you, 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 you want to go. And I don't think that you can actually like it's you have to be able to show people that you're worth investing their time in. Correct. My question will always be like, let me look at your worth system and explore who you believe is worthy versus who you don't. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you I think that there it's important to understand that like folks are always willing to like do the work and to show up. And I think that oftentimes you'll you'll be the recipient of someone investing in you when they see that you like get it and you like want to get more. Correct. For the most part. Correct. Right. But I do think there are certainly what's interesting to me is to see the perspective of how people who are in the position of privilege don't really audit the compound interest of privilege. Right. Ooh. When you are when you are a person from a non-marginalized community, you're often a part of conversations that you may take for granted, right? Like you're kind of kissed into the process you're believed in. Your baseline is competency, right? It is the true definition of like, you know, innocent until proven guilty, right? <laughs> okay, I got it. Keep going. From you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like when yeah, you're yeah. from a marginalized community, it's often like guilty until proven innocent. Flat out. <laughs> Flat right? out, flat out. And so I often like try to just like have the conversation with people who want to be allies, who I want to shift into accomplices to say that like, you need to stand in the gap for someone else's humanity because folks are not seeing the true potential of sometimes like black executives and not investing the time to ensure that they know the lexicon of that world mm -hmm. when you're in that room with C-suite ex executives, that they are being spoken about when they're not in the room to, to advocate for them. Correct. The space that they belong in. And these are all the things that help propel people. Cause if you, if you'll notice what I've all, what I've been saying for years is that like your about us page is your constitution. It's not really up for debate. Right. And so if I want to understand how far I can go, within any institution, I often look to the C-suite to see how many people look like me, right? Mm -hmm. And so I see of such a lack of representation 
that I don't think that the lack of representation is because there aren't people capable of doing it. What I see is like a drop off at the director level because no one's investing in the middle. Like everyone wants like either the green person or someone who's like long in the tooth, but no one wants anyone in the middle of the game so that they can up their game to get that VP title to eventually be able to have like a true through line to the C-suite, right? So you get to the director level and you become someone who is like the overseer of labor. Right, right. Right? And that is where your cachet is as opposed to you being someone who is like, thought provoking and forward thinking and someone who can like push the zeitgeist for it. Like you are instead like given responsibility, but not the responsibility of someone who can propel the company in another direction because the lens in which you are seen is a diminished value. Correct. Correct. So number one, I love what you're saying. And I, I definitely want to, excuse me, we're definitely going to dive in deeper on it because you're saying a lot of great stuff here. So let's back up a little bit, right? Episode today is see it to believe it, why representation matters. So, so tell us a little bit, and I love where it says see it to believe it. What does that mean to you when you talk about representation? I mean, what it specifically calls out to me is that if you want to truly be about that diversity life, right? That if you want people to believe that you actually believe in the importance of it, that you would actually show that you will care, not through your words, but through your actions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yep. In the same way when you say, when you're raising children, children don't do what you say, they do what they see. They do what they see, correct. Right? So if you want me to understand my worth, I literally look at who you have in positions of power to determine where my ceiling is. I want to see you putting your efforts in the game. I want to see that you mean more than like, you know, coffee with this, you know, like the visibility, like it has to be like a true investment into a community with the understanding that there is a spectrum of competency and it needs to be invested in, in different levels long-term and sustainable and that it's a business, it's a business imperative as well, right? Like you can't be the company that, you know, puts the black square up after George Floyd and then hires a bunch of black executives who are now gone in 2023, right? right? And then say that you still care when it looks like you're actually divesting from the thing that you said that you got three years ago. It's antithetical to what you said Three years ago. Right. Three years ago, you said you cared and you got it. Right. And let me show you what we're going to do. And now it's three years later and you haven't seen the financial benefits of this investment that you probably saw as charity. And now you're going to slowly disappear into the night and then everyone's going to go away. And you think that people aren't going to notice that you got rid of all of the brown folks you hired three years ago. So so let's back up a little bit. okay? because so. So let's back up a little bit. So first, so number one, let's do this. Why is it important for a corporation, a company, a bakery, a clothing store to be able to have a diverse, uh, have a representation from different diverse voices? Because to your, to your last point, right? Your last point is, well, you know, listen, yeah, you brought some people in and they were different. You might've brought, put them in different levels. 
but that was more of, you know, just a, a game show because you didn't, you didn't uh, invest in them. And then now they're gone. And so your levels, your, your representation is no different uh, than it was five years ago. So what's the reason that a company, I'm a white CEO. Okay. My board is white. I have five vice presidents. One is a white woman for our white males. I have directors. I have two senior directors. One is black and one is a woman. And then I have five other directors. Three are white. One is Hispanic and one is black. Okay. So tell me, and I'm running a business, right? And I want, you know, and, 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 this, and let me, I'm going I'm to give it to you. And I'm selling, uh, let's say it's uh, sneakers. I'm, my product is sneakers. And everybody along the planet, I want to sell everybody along the planet my sneakers. I don't care what color they are. I don't care what gender they are. I want them to buy my sneakers. The people on my board and my senior leadership, we discuss strategy, we discuss sales, we discuss new markets to open up, we discuss markets to close. I can, can go on and on. So why is it important for me to have representation on my board, on my senior leadership, and then also invest in other people who right now they're not on a director level. They could be an account executive or they could be somebody in accounting, wherever. Why is that important to me? What is that, How is that going to help me and my business hit our goals that we're looking to do? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a really great question. I think that you want to protect yourself against groupthink, right? So when you say you groupthink, to... what do you mean? When you say groupthink, what do you mean? Thinking like coming up with ideas in an echo chamber, right? So like if it's all everyone all in the same bucket and everyone's the same, you're going to have similar thoughts. You can't have innovation in a place where there's too much similarity. It, diversity of thought requires diversity of people. Right? right. Right. And so if you want better decision making, you have to protect yourself against also like confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. Because if you have the same people from the same backgrounds coming up with ideas, they're like looking through the glass window, trying to think about a culture that they don't really, can't, they really can't tap into. They right? only can see it from their perspective, their they cultural perspective. Their, yeah, you're, you're missing nuance, right? Like you're mm -hmm. missing um, market relevance. Like you can't, how do you even speak to, do, are you, are, do you only want to speak to one consumer? No. So I want to, I want to speak to the African-American. I want to speak to Hispanic. I want to speak to women. I want to speak to gays. I want to speak to international. I want to speak to everybody. You want to speak to everybody. Then your the, your team needs to look like who you want to talk to. Mm. And by the way, that does not mean one person representing everybody black because blackness is that we are not a monolith, right? Like there's Correct. a spectrum, there's Correct. a spectrum to the LGBTQIA plus community. There are nuances to culture, even age. Like, you know, like you just need to be able to hear from different people and different points of view. And that can't happen if you're relying on the same education background or the same pedigree in order to determine the future of your company Maybe you'll continue to reach out to the same consumer, but you'll never truly reach out to the people and help them see that you see it. And I'll I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. I remember being 
a kid and there was a commercial for this uh, face brand and it was a group of like white teenagers and one had a pimple and she was like so upset because she had a pimple. And then she goes, I wish I was black. So black, so no one could see my face. And I remember what commercial like was that? Nine, <laughs> I remember like eight or nine being like, "What the hell is that?" Like it was taken off the air. <laughs> I would imagine so. Moment, <laughs> right. right? Or like when you see the character for your favorite cereal or dough rapping, it's not really like who is it for? Right? Is right. it for people that think they're? rapping then you you've got your audience but if you're trying to speak to black people who have created this culture why doesn't it sound like something they would make right because you don't have the right people in the room you got a bunch of people telling you yes because you know like deia is not about like diversity equity inclusion and access it's really about like power culture and fear Mm -hmm. and people not really understanding their power or the culture that they create within their organization or the fear of getting it wrong or the fear of speaking up when you feel like you're not being represented. Like you have to really be willing to divest from the understanding that you know what the hell you're doing. So you, you got to be more curious as a leader. And, and using that, that example of the pimple, right? The commercial. Well, guess what? Black kids get pimples too. Yes, Hispanic kids get pimples too, right? Yes, so at the end of the day, if you're only to your point, only marketing, to one group, right? And that's probably, those ideas are probably coming from your board, your leadership. And so the only thing that they can come up with is ideas just based on that one group that they represent, correct? You have a marketing team or producers or people who are creating this thing. And then everyone who's watching the cut is like, yeah, it looks great. Looks good. She looks amazing. And there's no one to be like, "Um, guys, Black people get pimples too. Right, 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 right. Right? Right. And for that person to have the cachet for someone to actually do something about the note. Correct. <laughs> right. So like when you're marketing, go- if you remember, there was a big controversy about the Pepsi commercial and the protesting. And one of the Kardashian kids like got in trouble and like she's just sitting there and now like acting and saying the line. I'm not going to hold, you know, a teenager or someone in their 20s was necessarily responsible for it. But it's like. It's not just her. It's like all the producers and the marketing people and the creative directors and the art directors and everyone were like, sounds good. Like who, who bought the props? Exactly. 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 Well, I mean, so listen, you know, I remember as being a kid and, and I, you know, I don't know about you, Brie, in New York, but in Detroit, when I was growing up, Saturday mornings, we would eat our cereal and watch cartoons. Okay. And, you know, obviously you had the superheroes, you had Superman, you had Batman, you had Spider-Man, Aquaman, right? But there was no black superhero, okay? And then when they finally came up with one, they had to put black in front of his name. It was Black Vulcan. It couldn't just be Vulcan. It had to be Black Vulcan, right? So think about it as a kid, going back to why representation matters. If I'm a kid, and I'm seeing, I'm eight, seven, six, and I'm seeing superheroes and they got all these powers, but they all white. <laughs> all right. None of them look like me. And look, I can tell you flat out. I, I have kids. My friends have kids when they were young and they look at TV, they gr- dream to be a superhero, right? Because they can see. And again, I get it. But my point I'm trying to make is, is that if you don't see somebody that looks like you, 
that's representing your group or your ethnicity, your race, your religion, whatever, then it limits what you feel or what you think about yourself and your abilities to be able to move forward. So it's a double-edged sword. It's a sword from corporate America in terms of limiting the ability to be able to market their products, have diverse thought. You talked about groupthink, confirmation bias, age, the whole nine yards. But then there's also the first part is the the kids believing and dreaming of what they want to be. Would you agree with that? Or what's your thought on that? I do. I agree with it. And I think that like maybe one of the hangups or the things that doesn't propel us forward is that we're always trying to, which is like hard for me, right? Like you're always trying to bring it back to like humanity and like the, the betterment of like the human race. Right. right? I think the other important thing to say is that you make more money when you invest in the cultures that you want to be your customer. Mm -hmm. Like when you're like, can I, I can sure I can have the conversation about like, humanity and how important it is to have like representation and how important it is for children. And maybe no one actually cares because they can't understand how that leads to a dollar. I'm also saying like that and you make more money when you invest in diversity, equity, inclusion, and access. So you have to nurture it the same way you do other parts of your business. I think what people do is they put one person in charge of DEI, and they'd be like, this is your job. And then when they can't bear the same fruit as a 20-person accounting team, they go, why can't you fix this? So speaking of that, and again, uh, so Bree, you, 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 you're, number one, you're, you're just telling all truths here because I experience a lot of this stuff, not in a television standpoint, but just in my journey through corporate America. Question for you, right? You've been doing, you've been 20 years behind the screen, producing the whole nine yards. Why aren't they investing in other individuals? Why aren't they bringing other different groups of people together or bringing them into the fold? Because everything you're saying makes sense, right? You don't have to be a business major to figure that out, okay? And we have people running companies that's worth billions and billions of dollars, some trillions now, okay? And it's, so if we look at the statistics from a C-suite standpoint, I think it's 0.8% of CEOs on Fortune 500 companies are black, 0.8%. So in other words, if the Fortune 500 is five, 500 companies, there's, and I, I want to get this right, I could be wrong, there's six CEOs, okay, that's of color, black, okay, out of 500 companies, okay? So at the end of the day, we, all the things that you talked about make sense. We have uh, organizations that's worth billions, trillions of dollars. The majority of them, want to market to every consumer that makes sense, a diverse consumer group, a, consu- a, a, diverse, a, a diverse consumer, yeah, diverse, conver- diverse consumer group to buy their products. So why aren't they doing these things that you talked about? I think it's because it's not a business imperative. I think that there is a charity lens associated with diversity. So stop right there. When you say charity lens, what do you mean? 
I think that people often associate representation with doing good to work. Got it. Got it. Got it. And that the moment you're looking at something as charity, what's when you're in school, you take your core classes and then you can take the, the elective, <laughs> elective, the elective, elective. Right. It's an elective. It's an elective. Right. And so long as it's positioned as an elective and people can't see the value of it outside of good work, you're always going to have people that can exceptionalize doing it. They can opt in, they can opt out because it's not a business imperative, right? Like any company that grows, right? When they invest time into how to scale their business, they know very clearly how the marketing team should be set up, how many people they need in, you know, in finance for M&A for when they eventually want to sell, right? They know how many people need to be in all the different departments in order for that department to run well, right? That part people are pretty good at. Then when you talk about composition of team, there's a false narrative of a meritocracy. Hiring the best people for the job. Yep, yep. They just happen to be all white men and women. Like, I don't understand why should I be punished because I just hired the best person for the job. And to that, I say, I do not, I don't think that white men and white women don't belong in the conversation. They cannot be the only people speaking. Yeah. And, and to your point, right. It's that. So if you're, so let's be clear here too. How many times do people who are considered for those jobs are based on a network because they already know those individuals, right? So. And if your network is narrow, you're only, and you only know people that look like you who walk into your, and walk in the same, you know, uh, uh, areas that you do or recommended by people that you know, who also doesn't do, do not have a broad, uh, diverse network. You're going to keep seeing the same look, same type of people, same look, same race of people getting those jobs over and over again. And like, it's like, it's like, it's like, again, like the compound inches of privilege, right? The privilege to have that network of people at different tiers of their professional career that can vouch for you, right? Like our, (laughs) I would venture to say that like our blue checks (laughs) had to be earned. So when you say blue checks, like, what do you mean? Like, you know, like when you were on social platforms and you, they want to make it so that you're official, you got to prove that you are worthy (laughs) of the blue check. (laughs) What it takes for us to get the blue check is so much harder than the people that are able to go out and just pay the $14.99 for the blue check. That's a good one. I, my girl, you, I, 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 I don't even have a comeback for that. That, That's really good. Let me, let me, let me ask you this though. Because you said a few things here in terms of the charity. I want to go back to the charity thing because, you know, I, I, I see that being played out in terms of what you were saying earlier when we first came on. Like, hey, back in 2020, you were like, you know, we got the black, uh, whatever it is, the black mark and we're 100 percent behind you. And, you know, and we're going to, you know, make sure that our organization is inclusive. You know, I was interesting out I had to call my uh, my insurance company today to talk about our life insurance. And when I was on hold, you know, the recording says we are an inclusive organization. <laughs> you know, we blah, 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 blah. Right. So everybody's doing that. Right. And then, yes, there there were hires. 
There was a lot of people who got hired as DEI, people of color. That the, in some companies, they didn't even have these departments. They made those departments, right? Um, and now we're in 2023, three years later, and a lot of those people, they're gone. They laid them off or their power, or even if they had it, it's kind of been stripped. So what you're saying is uh, the reason that is was based on not because they thought that that would help the bottom line increase the bottom line of the organization. It was more of a good deed, a good work based on the George Floyd situation. And the good deed and the good work only lasts for so long because you don't see any value in terms of economics, driving more revenue, increasing market share, bringing innovation and ideas from these individuals who can do that, but you don't see that. You have them specifically just to do this and the expectations of anything that they do in the organization is not the same as the expectations for, for anybody else. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. I think that like you want to be able to be able to drive to the bottom line, right? Like right. if your work is not tied to like the EBITDA of a company, I'm going to tell you, you ain't going to be there long. <laughs> yeah. You ain't going to be there. Right. I think that, you know, it's like that's, that saying you can't, manage what you don't measure and you don't measure what you don't value. Mm -hmm. Right. So a lot of times folks want to believe in the innovation that comes from diversity, but then when they're not seeing it hit or impact their bottom line, because they want to put like racism in the microwave and they want it to come out justice two minutes later. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, then they're like, well, this doesn't work. It's like, well, no, it took like 400 years to get where we are. It's going to take some time. But are there other parts in your business that you invest in that you don't expect? That ROI real quick. Immediate yeah, yeah. Result, right, exactly. Right? Like, what does that look like for you? Like, for the folks that were investing in the digital world, which is the only thing that we know, right? Because I do remember seeing like, jobs for like digital producers and being like, what is that an internet job where you spent on the, and now it's the only, it's like the only way that we function, mm -hmm. but someone had the vision to understand that that is the way that we are going. Therefore it is worth the investment. Right. Mm -hmm. And part of a corporation's responsibility is to understand that just like a pure economics about what representation representation is going to look like on this planet in the next 50 years and how you want to build a base to be able to speak to that community because they are going to have the numbers, right? Like it's almost like antiquated to just continue to keep your business model the same, like the same as it has been for the last 10 years without consideration of your next consumer. Right. Which to right? your and point, so whether, Go ahead. You know, whether or not it's television and film or sneakers or like whatever it is, you are behind, you are chasing the train. And I don't care if it, it hasn't proven beneficial because you invested in 2020 after George Floyd and it's 2023 and you haven't been able to yield real results. You are still on the wrong side of history. And and to your point, just so I want to make sure everybody on the audience, you know, definitely is, is clear on what you're saying. So, you know, uh, statistics, census statistics say by 2050, I think is that yeah. the time frame 2050 something like, yeah. something like that that the United States will the the, the majority population would be of color people 
people of color, I mean, say. To your point, if you're not investing in that now, then you're going to end up losing out because the consumer is going, this consumer that you're not going after. In other words, if you're not diverse, if you're not diversifying your ranks, then your company is not going to look like the population of the United States, which is going to put you behind the eight ball from a revenue standpoint, culture standpoint, everything. So it's definitely important to start doing that now. So based on that, Bree, I'm a white CEO. I'm listening to a black executive perspective podcast. I want to learn. I agree with you. You're right. We didn't, if just me looking in the mirror, I'm being honest. We didn't really put two feet in cement where we were 100% committed in, in all our departments and everything. My board, my leadership team, they all looked like me. So I'm here, Bree. I'm listening to you. You have the floor. You know your stuff. Give me four or five bullets right now and what I can do from a long-term standpoint, not a quick fix, a long-term standpoint to be able to make sure my company is being represented, not just uh, uh, represented by individuals in all different type of backgrounds so I can be able to reach the consumer who is being represented in all different type of backgrounds. First, I think that you need to, when I think about this to make sure that I, while I have the floor. You have the floor, Bree. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you, you, you got in now, right? You sitting here I'm talking to, to Jeff Bezos. <laughs> All right. You talking, uh, you talking to the people now that can make a difference. They're saying, Bree, you got all ears. Tell us. I'm going to say first that I think that the diversity game is one where you focus on shame as opposed to growth, right? Like, you know. Oprah has said, like, there is no growth in shame. And diversity is the shame game, right? It is like trying not to get caught with your, like, biased pants down, hoping that no one notices that you haven't invested in this long term, right? And I want folks to know that, like, we have been raised not to see one another. And so it is no accident that you don't have the tools or the capabilities to do this work with your current team and with yourself. And therefore you need to lean on experts in this field who do this work and give them the agency and the currency to move your company forward in a meaningful way by holding your team accountable to what it is and to what it takes to do the work. What this means is that people who you love and trust and who you play golf with and who are liked by many people may be, need to be sacrificed if their practices are not culturally inclusive, because while they might be good to most, the few that they may not be good to could be why you don't have retention in your company when it comes to uh, underrepresented talent. Because the way that they speak to you, right, because people kiss up and not down, mm -hmm. right, is going to look very different. And so you need to be able to hold them accountable and show that you mean business when you say no one, you know, like you, you can't have anyone above reproach, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that, like, you need the exposure of diverse 
perspectives, right? You need to create and curate the experience of diverse perspectives and give them the power that it takes to truly be represented in a room when they're speaking up about what needs to happen for your company. I think that you need to enhance like cultural competence in your company by making sure you're doing like engagement surveys and you're really like really investing into what people have to say about what their lived experience of the culture of your company is. Not your mission statement, not what you say it is, but the everyday lived experience. And I would really start with the people who are at the bottom because they truly know what's going on at the Mm. company. They see things that no one else can see because everyone looks at them as if they're invisible, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that you have to create competencies around roles that are bigger than like skill sets, right? Like how competent is this person? And like create hiring mechanisms where you're not just like talking about somebody's skill set, but you want to know directly in the interview, what is their approach to diversity, equity, inclusion? How do they manage diverse teams and how do they ensure there's equity on their team when it comes to voice? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's also important to like invest in like the professional growth and development of your entire team, but invest, I'm going to say specifically in black women. And this comes from Dr. Darnell Hunt, who does a UCLA study for, um, for Hollywood, that it is known that when you invest in black women in your company, your company does well. Mm. And why is that? Why is that? Why why is that? Because we work the hardest and we're the most (laughs) invisible. And it just is what it is. Um, (laughs) But Darnell Hunt has a really, he has something called means is an acronym called means that I can't break down right now, but it's really insightful into uh, the ways to change the dynamics of what's happening in uh, Hollywood, but I think it goes to every business model would could benefit from it. I think that you need to create collaborative learning opportunities where people are allowed to fail out loud so that they can grow in a meaningful way and the penalty cannot be higher than it is for folks who look like you. Right. Like it has right. to be that people are able to learn and thrive and so they're not hiding their mistakes so that they can be for the benefit of themselves and their company. And I also think that you have to promote like inclusive leadership skills and language and ensure that people are, who are like not from marginalized community are given the tools of success of being a diverse leader and not feeling shame because they're a white man. Like you just have to be able to give them what they need to succeed, Mm -hmm. but also hold them accountable for when they get it wrong. And I also think that you need to promote like empathy and allyship through being an accomplice. Like you have to be able to empower your employees to be accomplices to uh, the underrepresented. And so those are my thoughts. My I, like I said, I'm Jeff Bezo. I'm 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 impressed. All right, we're gonna roll this all throughout Amazon. Uh, you, matter of fact, you I'm, you you on the chairman. You're the chairman of the board now. Bree Frank. I mean, your passion, your intellect is is awesome. Your love for humanity comes across so strong. You can see that you you you're a teacher that you want to be able to share and help. You know, because at the end of the day, there's opportunity here. And here's the kicker. And this is the thing that's, the, in my opinion, 
that's really what's being missed from not having representation is you don't know where that can go. These are talented individuals that could probably take your company to heights that you can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. And you're missing out. Yes, definitely from a bottom line standpoint, which will affect the bottom line, right? But we're talking about people who are talented, very talented, right? And all they need is not a handout. It's just a shot, a fair shot. Like you said, not, oh, why didn't you do this? You, you, this should have been done. My other, and you have another team that, that you gave them five years, but this one individual, you give them a couple of weeks, right? So you just went through a litany of stuff, which I really, really appreciate. Final thoughts for our audience. I think the investment into, um, I have two thoughts. One is that the investment into diversity, equity, inclusion, in the same way that there's a compound interest of privilege, there has to be like, you know, like the compound interest of chance, right? Like we have to be able to truly understand that these things take time Mm -hmm. and to culturally shift a company, you need buy-in at all levels and you need uh, currency, whether or not it is economic or allyship into changing your company and you have to think about it. It's not the stock market, right? Like it's not Bitcoin. It's more of a 401k or an IRA. Like they are guaranteed to pay out, but you have to be steady. You have to get consistent and continue to pay. And then you will see the benefits that are yielded from it. I also think that if you are a person of color, right. And I'll speak specifically to, to black people. That um, I'll just say, I'll speak to anyone from an underrepresented community because I think that we're all in this together. Correct. That to hold still and to and to protect yourself and hold your find your spaces that are safe as you exist in environments that are have not been built to see you, and to ensure that you hold the part of yourself that you need the most for your like mental sanity for yourself while you reach for the North Star. I think that there's been, and I've been not guilty of it, but certainly have um, had conversations about being able to bring your whole self to work. And I think that that is the dream. And I think that you should be able to have that, but you should be able to have it in an environment that welcomes it. And the moment that you realize that that environment doesn't welcome it, protect it, and then find some place that will absolutely want you to thrive and invest in you in a meaningful way that I think that my goal for 2023 for myself is to go where the love is. Mm. And I want that so much for black people. I think that being inside these very, very like traditional spaces that did not write us into the constitution Mm -hmm. Um, and us being there trying to be like the amendment of change is hard. Mm-hmm. It is really, really hard work. And so you need to find like-minded individuals who share in the triumphs and the difficult uh, nature of what it means to be a Black executive and don't let yourself go trying to break the door down. Mm. So in other words, recognize when it's time to cut out. Yeah. Right. 
I have to ask you this, though, because I, I know we said final thoughts, but you said it a couple of times. So I, I really want to just back up. You said, you know, people were not were taught not to see you. And then you said being in corporations that wasn't built to see you. What do you mean by that? I mean that, like, it is no accident that when you're trying to have a conversation with someone who does not look like you, that when they don't see the full extent of your humanity, like, oh, you play tennis too? Oh, you wash your hair? Like, that is not an accident. That is a curated ex experience that has come from a legacy of racism, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so everything that has been built on our backs was made for us to build it, but not benefit from it. Mm -hmm. And so much of not only what we endured as people who are constantly having to defend our humanity, even if you look back at the signs from the 60s, it says, I am human, right? Mm -hmm. Is to realize that there's the other side of that coin were people being taught that we were not human. Mm -hmm. So now it's like evolution of thought of people who don't look like us being like, I didn't know. I didn't know about Black Wall Street. I didn't know. Like, that's not just ignorance. That is very intentional educational practices to strip us of our humanity. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is space where we can give grace for them needing to catch up on the learning so long as they pick up accountability while we extend grace. And so all of these corporations that are trying to figure it out, right, whether or not they're trying to diversify their C-suite and they're trying to figure out who is qualified enough to be inside the room, I can give you grace so long as you have a plan on paper for accountability and what it looks like and that you will sustain and invest in the same way you invest in things that are important to your business. And you cannot lie to me about what it is because I see where you spend your time. And I know that you are capable of it because I see where you spend your time mm -hmm. when you care and when it matters to you. Be frank. Thank you for your passion, your intellect and your perspective on a black perspective, a black executive perspective podcast. This was very enjoyable. It was very educational. And we would love to have you come back at another time. So thank you so much, Tony. Thank you, because you were awesome. And again, we're going to definitely invite you back to dive into some other topics. But I hope today you enjoyed this topic. See it to believe it. Why representation matters with our awesome host, E. Frank. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode and see it to believe it. Why representation matters. Our guest, B. Frank, really dove into the importance of having diverse thought, diverse leadership, and then not only that, really committing to those individuals in an organization. She talked about training, making sure that leadership is fully trained in terms of hiring diverse people, but more importantly, being able to work with them. She talked about the ability to be straight up. And if, if your leadership 
you need to hold them accountable. And if they're not being held accountable in terms of creating a diverse organization, then they may need to, they may, they may need to go. And then more importantly, the commitment starts at the top. It can't be based on charity or good works. It has to be based on commitment to seeing that by doing this, you're going to see a business, a great business outcome out of it, just like you do anything else in all other biz strategic business situations. So really appreciate her sharing, but I'm now going to talk about, I'm going to share Tony's tidbit and how it relates to this conversation. When I see a doctor and he or she looks like me, I know I can be a doctor and cure new diseases. When I see a pilot and when he or she looks like me, I know I can be a pilot and fly new missions never flown before. I know when I see a movie director and when he or she looks like me, I know I can be a movie director and tell stories the mind would never imagine. And when I see a CEO and he or she looks like me, I know I can be a CEO and build and run the greatest business for everyone to admire. Representation matters, not just for the individual, but for the future of our country as well. And that's by yours truly, Tony Tidbit. Bree, what do you think? I mean, you got it. You hit it right on the the nail right on the head, Tony. I just so much appreciate you um, in this conversation. Um, it was lovely. So real quick before we go, tell us about who you know. That's a company that you're now running, correct? Yeah. So who you know is a nonprofit organization. It started out as a Facebook group with 27 people, which I scaled to almost 22,000. Uh, we work with some of the big studios through um, an initiative that I'm one of the uh, founders of called Coded for Inclusion. Uh, we're doing a Black Women Executive Wellness event in September that I'm really excited about. And we just like to really invest in the company. And we consider like our three pillars are curriculum, connection, and culture. And so we like to try to, we're building out like showrunner programs and director programs, but additionally, want to invest back in the community, but also have conversations with um, studios and executives to try to help figure out how they can create meaningful diversity. I like to say that we are the gateway to the gatekeepers. And um, I'm really proud of the work that we do, but we're a nonprofit, so we always need help and dollars so we can continue to run and uh, impart change in this world. And so um, anyone who's listening, I would love if you need to help, if you'd like to help a volunteer to email us at info at Hugh, you know, H-U-E, Y-O-U-K-N-O-W.com. Or, and you can find out information how to donate if you go to our website, which is HughYouKnow.com. And if you didn't notice, there was a play on word with Hugh. I got stands it. for <laughs> the different melanin that <laughs> um, which I know is really hard to say, but I'm really proud of the work that we've done. Well, thank you. And definitely check out Hugh You Know. Go to her website, obviously, and donate. And more importantly, learn about this great work that she's doing. So brief, Frank, really appreciate you being here on a Black Executive Perspective podcast. Thank you. And more importantly, thank you for listening to another episode of a Black Executive Perspective podcast. 
Give us a rating. Let us know how you like this episode. Did we answer all your questions? Are there other questions that you may have? How did I do? Tony, you wasn't that great. You should have said blah, blah, blah. Let us know. We love your feedback because obviously all feedback is good feedback. You can follow us at a black executive perspective at a black executive perspective podcast.com for my guests, the sensational, intelligent, be Bree Frank, my producer, double A. I'm Tony Tidbit. Come and join us next week and let's talk about it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Tony Tidbit, a black executive perspective, and for joining in today's conversation. With every story we share, every conversation we foster, and every barrier we address, we can ignite the sparks that bring about lasting change. And this carries us one step closer to transforming the face of corporate America. If today's episode resonated with you, consider subscribing and leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share this episode with your circle, and with your support, we can reach more people and tell more stories.